Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. I'm Dr. Robin. With me today, I have Katherine Fitzgerald. She is a writer, speaker, certified coach, and founder of Brass Tacks with Heart Executive Coaching. She helps founders, owners, and C-suite executives and their teams build businesses that fuel their lives, not consume them. I have Tim Hawks. He is the Managing Director of Unlimited Potential, where he is a mental engineer and executive coach focusing on logical and practical solutions to challenging problems. And I have Kevin Wash. He is a coach, mentor, author, trainer, and speaker running a consultancy business specializing in sales for international property development. The question I have today, how much responsibility do we have for the way our tone is interpreted when we speak? Catherine, I would love for you to go first. That is, it's a loaded question because I think there's responsibility on both sides of a conversation uh, to listen well and to, to speak with um, kindness. My oldest son is uh, undiagnosed, but we are, as a family, convinced ADHD. He's brilliant, but he doesn't pick up on social cues and his tone can be quite harsh. And so as a mom, it's sometimes really challenging to step back, take a breath and listen and and we have tried <laughs> to give feedback over the years. As I jostled with this, he is months away from graduating to be a dentist. And he's actually known in his all of his rotations of being so great with people. So I think it depends on our situation. Maybe with family, we let down a little bit more than we do with uh, the strangers or people that we're working with. But I do think that it is important to think about how your words will be received. I agree with a lot of the things that you, the points you've raised there, Catherine. A lot of the work I do involves teaching people in sales. And in sales, one of the most powerful tools that you have is your voice. In a lot of cases, you don't actually need anything else to to sell things. So the tone of your voice is really important. If you want people to stop listening to you, the easiest thing to do is raise your voice because then people will generally shut down. If you want people to be interested in what you're saying and you really want to draw them in, then lower the tone of your voice and make people actually have to come closer to you to hear what you're saying. So I think the tone is really important. I also think there are huge cultural differences. A lot of my work is spent uh, working with different nationalities and demographics. And you know, if you listen to, for example, the Dutch or Germans, they sound incredibly harsh. And not only do they sound incredibly harsh, they, they miss out a lot of words. So there's no softness in what they're saying to you. It's very much to the point. They're not being rude. That's just the way they are. You know, Arabs, they kind of shout and sing and they've got their own tones the point you raised there about your son if i ever get angry about things i sing the people around me don't like <laughs> it because i'm quite possibly the world's worst singer but i love it so i just sing and it's also a great way to get a point of view across sing it definitely diffuses the situation when you start singing <laughs> yeah life is a musical in kevin's house brilliant <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My wife really doesn't appreciate it, though. So, so I'm going to lob a controversial hand grenade in here because. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so, so the question is, uh, the question is, uh, are we responsible for our our tone as it is received by others? My reptilian brain wants to say absolutely not. No, totally not. However, when I start to think about it, little 
things creep in and then such things that Catherine said a lot of okay, things creep in that make me go oh maybe 80 percent no 20 percent yes <laughs> and then I go oh and then I'm like well maybe it's 60 40 and then I sort of rest at 50 50 and then I'm thinking is it right so let me give you my logic here I, I've been my life been through anxiety periods I've been through periods where I've been on top of the world and the lord of all he he, he surveys <laughs> now when I am the lord of all I survey anybody could say anything to me and I am unmoved you can point a finger and shout I don't care you can cry I will do my best to help but I will be unmoved because I'm good in myself in my anxious time somebody comes and goes points a finger I fall down and I give in and I burble my words and say silly things. So I think this is incredibly difficult. In a world where everyone was self-assured, our tone would be irrelevant. Hence my, we're not responsible for it. But we all know we live in a world of anxiety. So therefore, we must then consider a responsibility of how we're heard. I always tell the old story when I'm in the pub, and you point at somebody and say, oh, you should do this. And they say, did you point at me? Uh, yeah, I don't like being pointed at. And suddenly you're in a confrontation you never expected or intended. Um, so am I responsible for that tone? No, it's the other person who's got a problem with finger pointing that you suddenly found yourself trapped in. So I'm wondering if this is a case of it may not be your fault, but it is your problem. Which, oh, I like that a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. So... Kevin, yes. I love that you brought up the Dutch. I am Dutch and I grew up with a father who was undiagnosed on the spectrum. And so our family was very brusque and very to the point. And when I get into the corporate world, I was reprimanded regularly for being bad at communication and hurting people's feelings. So while it may not be my fault that I communicated in that way, whether that's considered poorly or not, it was certainly my problem because the message I was trying to get across wasn't working. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a real common thing with with Northern Europeans. Um, it's just they kind of don't waste words. So it, <laughs> as I said, it's a combination of two things. It's it's the tone. It's the the what they're actually saying to you. A lot of people want to have the message sweetly and soothly delivered to them. The Northern the Northern European is well. If if I can say it in four words, why would I use ten? I, I also think that if I'm if I am said to be responsible for my tone in equal measure, the recipient is said to be responsible for how they receive it. Well, except how much of the that. message is conveyed via tone? Yeah. Like there is so much that's in, you can be sarcastic and use words that say one thing, but if you're being sarcastic and your tone is sarcastic, it's very clear that you mean the opposite thing. Yeah, and also add to that the complication that Catherine's pointed out is there are some conditions that can't recognize that. Right. And that, mm -hmm. that's another level to it, doesn't it? And and what I think what I heard you say about the responsibility as of the listener is something that I think depends on how evolved the listener is in terms of their ability to not react, but to listen and get curious. And when we listen with curiosity instead of judgment, we are more open to being able to, uh, to accept tone that isn't uh, our natural tone. It also depends on your level of worldliness in terms of if you live in an area where you're not interacting with any one of another culture, that can also weigh in here as we've demonstrated. 
we hear yes. parents say all the time, watch your tone to their children. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I've Great said that a few hundred times. <laughs> but I, I, I do think also sometimes, you know, frustration can change your tone. And that's an example there. I mean, sometimes if you've told your child to do something two or three times and they're still not responding in the way you want, you might lose your tone. I find sometimes working <laughs> with people and you're trying to convey a message. It's quite a simple message, really. But you can see they're not getting it. So my challenge sometimes is, are they not getting it because of the way I'm delivering it? Are they not getting it because they're just not really interested in what I'm saying? Or what is the challenge? And sometimes when you know they're just not listening, sometimes your tone or my tone, I, it's something I, I struggle with and I work very hard to kind of control it because my tone can change. And I, although I wouldn't raise my voice, you would really be left in no doubt that I was very unimpressed with the way- <laughs> And if you start singing, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's it. They, they're not gonna get good songs, those people, I promise you. You know, if you look at the situational leadership model, you lead in a certain way in a certain time. So there are times when you need to be authoritative and there are times where you need to be pastoral. None of us set out for a monotone life, do we? We don't set out going, my my tone is, is this is my tone X and I'm going to continue with X. And, and if you're frustrated and your tone goes up, fine, absolutely right, because you need to be heard. And, and by raising your tone, the recipient's aware that we're ramping up the game here. I think what's important, What's important here, just like the situational model says that it's all right to be in any type of leadership style, but as long as you can answer the question why. So if you say I'm being frustrated and my voice is raised and I'm using a type of language to cajole and make things happen, but you know you're doing it and why you're doing it and you're in control of it, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Um, I guess the question is, when you're doing it, are you responsible for the response of the other persons? And that's what we're asking ourselves. And unfortunately, that's our 10 minutes. So we don't even get to answer that. But I do, I agree with <laughs> you, Tim. I like that idea about being aware. In the very least, we are responsible for being aware of our tone. So thank you. That's a great place to end it.